0: Welcome, everyone, to RV1 Colon the Famous Football Podcast, uh, brought to you by SB Nation, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host, conductor of the Devin Funches Hype Train, and already in love with Nikhil Harry-Pete rogers i am joined by all of the guys we have dk Metcalf's number one admirer don't draft juju smith schuster proponent for a john snow hair product line and resident old man clark burns his sabbath lover of all men in the trenches and working girl jordan smith and the world's biggest 49ers fan somehow managed to wait two weeks to see game of Thrones without spoiling it the only man on this green earth who hates larry fitzgerald ginger woodsman nick potterford Guys, how are we doing?
1: Doing great, Pete. Good. Good. That's good. The new intro is going to get me in trouble, man.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you shouldn't have said that he was going to regress this season and you should have never shown such little faith in him. So really, you did this to yourself. No one to blame Yeah. That's that's how the world works, Nicholas. And You're just going to fight your way through it. I am... uh, Actually, my voice has come back decently well. I'm a little sick, but my voice was completely gone yesterday. My brother got married uh, Sunday, so I was celebrating that Sunday.
2: (laughs) A lot of screaming from the pews. A lot of
0: screaming. Front row band. They did – okay. I have to say this because I never heard this before, and this is probably a a wedding band cliche, so I'm not probably breaking the world for anyone. Uh, But the band's final song was – shout which is a classic song right excellent hype song and then halfway through it they kind of like had a lull and took it right into the conclusion of hey jude uh just the na 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 na's and then they finished shout and it was an excellent transition that worked very well Um, so big fan that was the song that really did me in at the end
3: i too was at a wedding this weekend my cousin got married back in green bay it's wedding season
0: guys. it's wedding season I've got another three that I'm going to later this summer so
3: I just have one more left and I discovered that though I like the song Old Town Road and I think it's funky (laughs) it brings out the absolute worst at people when you're dancing to it I've never (laughs) seen anybody dance to it yet but I saw some very horrible just (laughs) oh Man, it was a how is how,
0: how can you dance to that? Like, what is the appropriate dance move for that song? I,
3: it was like slow moving, like <laughs> pretending to ride a horse and like slapping <laughs> your knee and whatnot. I don't think the people who were dancing knew what to do with it, so it was just like it was kind of it was overly sexualized for that <laughs> song, somehow. <laughs> somehow, it was anyway. <laughs>
2: Hey, man, if you don't know how to dance, always go to the riding the Bull. It's, it's an old standby.
3: <laughs> this was more than riding the bull. This was riding something else.
0: That's my go-to move for when Pony by Genuine comes on. That's the song. The last, what is it? I would say two or three weddings that, uh, that Becca and I have been to. Pony has been a hit song on the dance floor, and we've now turned it into our song where we just uh, maybe dance a little too, a little too up on each other. But everyone likes it, so it's all good. I love Pony. It's a it's a jam. I I didn't realize that it was such a, a wedding classic or wedding staple, but uh, I'm all here for. I'm here for it. This one we they had it as a live band my brother's wedding and they played it. And I was like, wow, normally this is a, you know, just the iPod mix song that you put on, not the live band rendition, but I was, it worked. It worked. It's, it's a good song to play because the kids
3: don't know what it means yet. (laughs) It's like, um, baby got back. We learned when I was young, like every single word to that song. And we did not know what it meant until we were like of age.
0: Basically, yeah. because we're just like, oh yeah,
3: my anaconda. <laughs> I do have animals.
0: a pet snake, and that pet snake <laughs> does want some, but only if you have buns, hamburger buns, because that's what anacondas eat. So it exactly. all makes sense when you're a kid.
1: <laughs> this yep. we're we're uh,
0: we're making people dumber. Uh, we are appropriately celebrating wedding season. Don't feed bread to your snakes. Don't don't be bread <laughs> <or> snake. <laughs> if you take yes. anything away from this, <laughs> no. is that um, your snake? Your pet snake does not want any of your hamburger unless it's got buns.
1: No one snake does. Can you guys make it through a wedding without crying? Yes. I cried nonstop at weddings.
0: Oh. Oh, See, man. I only cry when I'm like actively involved in it. I cried at mine, and then when I was giving my brother's toast, I cried. But like at a general wedding, I'm just like, I mean, I'm I'm certainly appreciative of the moment and the niceness of it, but I, I don't tend to have a, a quick. Do you have a quick crying trigger, Nick? Yeah, weddings. I just, I,
1: especially during the ceremony, I'll all, I fall apart during ceremonies every time. Last last summer was my wedding. Summer it was like four weddings or something. Um, the ceremony I lose it but when so I, I was in a couple of them and one of them at, uh, during dinner you know when you're seated up at the table and everyone comes to pay you tribute or at least that's what it seems like they're doing that's how
0: I take it um, everyone comes to pay you tribute is this a new yeah. thing that every time Nick goes to a wedding people come up to him and say Nick who man you are great sitting and yeah. watching those people get married
1: they're usually they're usually talking to the people who just got married but I know why they're there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, good good you All know right. what
3: it's it's okay to cry at weddings too i had a wedding a couple weeks ago my friend liz she looked like she had like this cape on and it, it, she looked like a queen i wanted to get down with my sword and pledge my allegiance to her for life
0: and that made you me wanted to pay up. tribute exactly yeah. she looked so
3: beautiful that's <laughs> i had to i let it go
0: on. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I I've never realized because I don't normally have a, a quick crying trigger, um, as Becca will point out. But I've noticed that in weddings where I'm like emo like real- siblings' weddings, my wedding or siblings' weddings, I guess I I guess I get real caught up in the uh, in the emotionalness, in the feels, all the feels.
3: So anyway, there's no football news this week.
0: <laughs> As you can tell, there's no football news. So <laughs> this is now just a wedding podcast where we're gonna talk about how to uh how to plan the perfect wedding and get Nick to cry. Evidently, it's pretty easy. It's a mess, dude. <laughs> <laughs> is there a song that triggers you, Nick? Or is it no. just a ceremony?
1: No, it's just it's just seeing the people come together. Oh my god, it was so embarrassing. I uh I so I can't drink. Uh, uh, beer and, and at, at the time this last summer I think I was I wasn't really into wine. So when, when I was sitting up at the banquet table, I had a flask and I was crying <laughs> and I I knocked the flask over all over their like the table. Like one of their dads made it and the tablecloth was like sewn by one of the moms. At, oh, was just, oh Nicholas, <laughs> it was Nicholas. so bad.
0: Was oh. So bad. <laughs> oh Nicholas, that's not good.
1: Yeah. Oh wow. me to your wedding.
0: Oh wow. Uh, all right. Uh, should we uh talk a little bit of sports then <laughs> on that <laughs> note in. Yeah. after Nicholas ruined a wedding? <laughs> uh, well, since we're in the NFL doldrums, there's really no news going on. Uh, but we decided to introduce a new segment, so we're just gonna go straight into it called Fantasy Mysteries, uh, where we try to solve the biggest mysteries heading into 20 the 2019 season. So we got a whole bunch of things, but <clears throat> we're going to cue a little music. Imagine you're in a room, but this is no ordinary room. This is a running back's room. In it are men, but they are no ordinary men. These men are surrounded by a cloud of uncertainty, wondering which of them will get the call to be the leader of their respective rooms. Now, We enter this room in an attempt to solve confusing backfields.
2: I'm really hoping you play the leader of the pack right now and we make it (laughs) the leader of the (laughs) pack. That was my best Rod Sterling impression. That was really good. I hope all of our 60 plus listeners enjoy that uh, timely reference.
0: Exactly. Hey, well, uh, uh, what's his name? Jordan Peele is bringing it back or is in the process of bringing it back. So I'm I'm talking to the uh, 60 plus generation and then the 20 under generation that watches CBS All Access. Hey, there you go. No, no, no,
3: no,
0: no, no. Yeah. Um, so we're going to we have four different backfields that we're going to talk about that are – Influx or just have a lot of question marks around them, and we're going to start with you, Clark. And Clark, you're going to talk about a backfield that has long plagued fantasy owners. It is a team that loves to run the football. They don't like to make their uh, all-star quarterback throw it, and yet we've had a lot of difficulty in recent years figuring out just which running back is the worthwhile to be drafting out
2: of the Seahawks
0: backfield.
2: All right, so we'll we'll take it from the top here. So. Last year, Seattle finished 10 and 6. Their over under, according to betonline.ag, is 8.5. They have the same offensive coordinator. They're returning basically the same offensive line. Uh, they got Mike Iupati, which, according to Roto World, is an upgrade over their other left guard. I'll have to ask Jordan if that's true or not. <laughs> uh, so the Seahawks rush for 2,000 yards as a backfield. It's a good situation with Russell Wilson scaring defenses. And uh, I go through all of this to say when we look from year to year, from team to team, I don't think you should project the Cardinals to have a similar year to what they had last year because of all of the change they had. But with certain teams, there's a lot of, you know, bringing everybody back, the band getting back together. I feel like we should be able to expect reasonably that they'll do about the same as they did last year. So they tied uh, for sixth in August. Offensive scoring, and uh, Chris Carson led the backfield with 1,300 total yards, nine touchdowns, 20 catches for 163 yards in 14 games. Mike Davis got shipped to Chicago. He was the second-leading rusher with uh, 728 total yards, four rushing TDs, and the only receiving touchdown for the Seahawks. And then Rashad Penny drafted in the first round. Picked 27, was the third most productive back. Uh, with 419 total yards, two touchdowns, and uh, nine catches for 75 yards. So, the question here is: Do we believe in Chris Carson or first-round pick Rashad Penny? Uh, this has been a situation that I've just avoided in Best Ball because I I don't know what to think. It's a very productive backfield, though, and I don't think that you should just avoid it because there's two guys uh, who could who could both give you fantasy production. Chris Carson's going at the uh, end of the fifth round as RB. 27 ADP at 55. Rashad Penny is the RB 32, with the 72 ADP, so early seventh round. And uh, went back watched a couple of games where Carson and Penny got a lot of carries, and I'm even more confused because both guys look really good, running with power, good balance, you know, decent pass catchers. Uh, I, I just I have no idea what to do with this backfield. Uh, I'm hoping Nick can, can give me some insight on, on what we should do in Seattle because my, my kind of tendency is to, if I'm going to pick one and I don't know which one, I'll just punt and take the guy that's cheaper. So what, what do we think about Seattle's backfield?
1: So I, as far as what I think you should do, I think you should write a letter to Pete Carroll telling him to pass more. But if we're talking about running backs.
2: Uh... I've actually been writing a lot of letters lately, so I, I have stamps. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dying art form
1: uh i i think uh i was just thinking about this while you were saying this um i think chris carson is is the better running back but uh as we talked about previously with uh kind of who p Carroll is um clark i believe that you (laughs) you uh you said you weren't sure what would lead you to believe that he was egotistical other than everything he's ever done Mm -hmm. um and with his ego comes his his early picks, and I think that Penny. He was pl- he was trying to play Penny. He was trying to get him on the field last year, even though he showed up woefully out of weight. I think he was twenty pounds or overweight. Excuse me. I think he was twenty pounds overweight. Um, and 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 Carroll still tried to play him. He really talks up the the compete every day mantra, but he doesn't really live by it with his uh, with his pet projects. So I, I think that Penny is the one to take, and especially given that his ADP is lower. He's the guy who uh who I would go after.
0: Yeah, I, I would lean towards that too. I'm also someone who, and I've said this excuse me, <clears throat> on the podcast before, I like players who I can put in my lineups and not really feel like I need to worry about them. I feel like Chris Carson is a recurring injury risk. And even if he looks better than Penny at a like a you know per game basis, the fact is that Chris Carson always seems to be play five games and then has some kind of nagging hamstring injury that keeps him out of seven. And then he randomly plays three. Um, And for Penny, I think if he comes into shape, I think if clearly that's the person that Pete Carroll and and the Seahawks want to kind of lead their backfield, given the amount that they spent on him a first round pick. So I think if he comes into camp looking decent, that that's going to already give him a leg up.
3: Yeah, I think um, kind of, I, I agree with Nick too in terms of Pete Carroll just being like a, a little bit of an egomaniac. And I, it's double for him because he's an egomaniac. But also, I feel like head coaches and GMs, they don't want to admit that they made a wrong draft pick. So they will give higher draft picks, especially, you know, if you're picked within the top three rounds, you will get basically every chance to succeed. Um, they're not going to let, you know, some wafer wire or free agent or late round back, you know, supersede, um, somebody they spent a lot of draft capital on, um, this early in their career, you know, they're going to keep on trying to force the issue. And, um, I I don't know about, uh, the running back or the running game for Seattle as a whole, if they decide, uh, you know, they're not going to make some changes to their overall offense, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough not to think Rashad Penny wouldn't get all the opportunities possible.
2: Yeah, I'm leaning Penny too. The first round pick, you know, even though the Seahawks, like you said, tout the you know we're competitive everywhere. I think they may break ties in favor of their higher draft picks, especially one from last year. Uh, I, I also like Penny in the seventh because you can pretty much have your roster filled out, and you're starting to pick your bench. So taking a shot on someone in this backfield, uh, you know, especially before camp gets going and things like that, uh, Penny has got a lot of upside. Uh, independently, I can see the Seahawks, you know, giving both of these guys enough work to make them flexes or, or spot starters for you. Uh, but I I hate to default to let's just take the later guy, but I do like the later guy on Penny here. I think so too. I
0: think that's the that's the play. Um. Let's move on to another backfield. We're going to bounce to the AFC now. Uh, a backfield that – so I wrote an article today on fake teams talking about uh, early ADPs that I love and that I hate for each round. And this name came up as one that I hated because it surprised me at the the height as to which he was going. The Chiefs, I know, have an explosive offense and everyone's in love with them and they just can't get enough of them and they expect all kinds of glory and, and you know, bushels of fancy points to just be passed out like candy to children on Halloween but I still don't feel that that means Damian Williams is all of a sudden this all-star pick Jordan talk to us about this backfield because people seem pretty certain or at least according to ADP that Williams is going to be the guy there despite the fact that there's still a lot of question marks as to who's actually going to be toting the rock
3: yeah Damian Williams is I guess the incumbent incumbent running back right now because he was able to get a few starts in for the chiefs uh towards the end of the season um but i think that even though he has the you know quote unquote rb one spot right now i can see darwin thompson their sixth round pick getting a lot more looks um especially ahead of carlos hyde who they signed in free agency and uh I can see Thompson very well surpassing Williams by the end of the season because unlike Rashad Penny, uh, Damian Williams doesn't exactly have the chiefs drafted him with a high draft pick pedigree. Um, and also I think the chiefs don't really care about where you are picked overall as a running back, cause they will cycle in, you know, as, if you can carry the football decently, well, then the chiefs will give you a shot. Um, so again, just being a 6 round pick out of Utah State, he, Darwin doesn't have a lot of pedigree, but he makes up for it in the passing game and with pure athleticism. Um, I think if you know they're looking for somebody who's more of a Kareem hunt replacement, that Darwin Williams can or Darwin Williams, Darwin Thompson can kind of fill that role a little bit more easily than Damian Williams. Um, he ran a 4.540 um, and had a thirty-nine-inch vertical jump. So the dude has some athleticism. Um, he ranked third in the nation in college football last year in four missed tackles, too, per PPF, so, or PFF. So he's elusive. He's fast. He can catch the ball. <laughs> Clark <football>. is
1: intrigued. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, the knock on Darwin Thompson was that he was only 5'8". But um, in the research for this, I watched a video of him at 195 pounds, doing a front squat of 500 pounds. Damn! Like
2: you know who else is 5'8"? Barry Sanders.
0: Exactly. And is Barry Darwin Sanders. Thompson the next Barry Sanders? I yeah. think so. Question Race. marks.
3: <laughs> Ray Rice. Um. Yeah. My
2: Ray boy Rice. Devonta Freeman. Is he that Devonta small? Freeman. I mean, he's smaller.
3: Yeah. I have an article ready for
2: you, Pete. So yeah. Oh baby! Um. Hunt, damn. Hunt.
3: Unrelated, I just saw Devontae Freeman in uh, a cameo role in What Men Want. Um, It was funny because I'm like, that dude doesn't even play. Um, (laughs) But anyway, Darwin... Shots fired. Um, He has power and, I mean, that video, I recommend going to seek it out because he... It's not like he goes down and he's like, everybody's cheering him on to get it up. He goes down and back up with 500 pounds on a front squat. So... That was impressive, and I think just based on his power and his 28 bench reps that he pumped out at the Combine, that he can stand in as a solid pass blocker too um, if he learns how to read protections pretty well. And the, the thing is, for this, he's not going to cost you a lot of draft capital at this point, unless for some reason he like shoots up the draft boards um, getting closer to the season. Uh, training camp and preseasons can change a lot of things, especially if he swaps places and becomes the legitimate starter. Uh, but right now his current ADP is only running back 63. So he's super available. If you are, um, I, I don't know if you're doing a way too early fantasy draft. Uh, <laughs> if you You're
0: drafting been, now.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's behind a few backs in some rookie dynasty drafts as well. So he's, a good guy to take a flyer on. Um, I was really intrigued by their undrafted free agent, James Williams out of Washington state as a pass catcher who might've dug into Darwin Thompson's uh, pass catching running back reps, but they actually released him a couple days ago. So Darwin Thompson, that running back is becoming a little bit or that running back room is becoming a little bit more cleared out.
0: Yeah. The fact that, and you were, cause you referenced Darwin's, actual his adp right now damian williams is currently according to fantasy football calculator their adp for non-ppr rb 13 going at the middle of the second round which to me is just way too rich for a guy that you don't even know if he's going to be the starter for the entire season you've really seen only a couple of games from him where he was you know and you're just expecting this Chiefs offense to be so explosive and so amazing that, oh, yeah, he's definitely worth it. I mean, he's going currently ahead of guys like Leonard Fournette, uh, Devonta Freeman, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack, Josh Jacobs. Like, I would happily take all of those guys over Damian Williams.
3: Uh, Yeah, I think that's a little too high for Damian Williams if you don't know for sure that he's going to be the starter. Like, I don't think that's a – cut and dried situation uh, especially for other running backs who you know like Marlon Mack uh, Aaron Jones fingers crossed they should be the starters in that case so yeah I, I think uh, that Casey running back situation is not as cut and dry as uh, pick or running back 13. Jordan I'm really happy that you brought up Darwin Thompson he's not someone that I've looked at uh, too much
1: but his his athletic measurables are, are pretty sick um if he if he can earn some of the work i think they'd probably give it to him i i think i'm i really like Damian williams and i, I feel like i'm alone on this i'm super nervous about it um you are alone yeah, yeah well what are we talking about <laughs> Damian williams or
0: so
1: anyway i mean The the, the kid can play like he's not. Yeah, I I think he's, you know, Andy Reid was happy to run with Spencer where he kept Niall Davis around forever. I think he 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 likes to run with what he knows. And this guy can he can pass protect. He can pass catch, which are the two most important things for a running back. Uh, And he can carry the ball. And I think uh, Darwin Thompson is is an enticing uh, athletic player. But as you were saying, Jordan, the the pass like he, he's definitely strong enough to pass pro, but unless he somehow walks out there and is just blowing linebackers up, I don't think that they're gonna seriously uh, want to give him reps in pass pro over Damian Williams when they need to be protecting uh, Patrick Mahomes.
3: Just to interject real quick. I would say if you really like Damien Williams, since those two their ADPs right now are. 50 running backs apart Hmm. that uh, Darwin Thompson would make a super good handcuff then. Yeah. (laughs) Because you could probably just get him with your very last pick. You can make him Mr. Irrelevant and you know get some good insurance there. Yeah, I dig that. I dig that.
2: Yeah, I really like this situation and I like this situation as just something to talk about and think about in the offseason because Damian Williams ranked as the RB13 is going to make a bunch of people look stupid. We just have no idea which people he's going to make look stupid. Uh, Andy Reid's offense is incredible. It's RB-centric. We've seen a lot of guys who are are not the most talented running backs, uh, like good running backs, like Spencer Ware, put up decent numbers for us in spot starts. Uh, But then you have uh, a very recent history from the Kansas City Chiefs of drafting a smaller school guy who has really great balance and tackle breaking and making that person a feature back. And then you also have the history of uh, Andy Reid seemingly starting an older, slower, less athletic veteran instead of the hot new young guy that we want with Carlos Hyde. Uh, So some of us are drafting right now in best ball. So I've I've been all over Carlos Hyde and all over uh, Darwin Thompson just because they are so cheap and it gets you a piece of that Kansas City offense. Even if you're wrong about Williams, you know, he could miss a couple of games. They could decide to spread the ball around. Uh, but, but I understand that you know, you're, you're playing with fire, but it could really just blow up your team in a good way because that Kansas city backfield is just so tempting. And I think that's why he's going so high and, you know, I can't, I wouldn't argue against it, but I'm, I'm picking a wide receiver there instead, you know, with Mike Evans going so late and in, in that group, uh, cause I just, I'm too scared to, to make that pick.
0: Agreed, agreed, agreed. Before we get into our second two, or our final two teams, uh, let's quickly take an ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
3: We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some
1: bad decisions. Yeah.
0: We're going back to the NFC now. I'm going to talk about a team in which their backfield is maddening complex because of the fact that really they have three starters in their backfield. I'm talking about the 49ers, Nick's favorite team. Tevin Coleman, they signed this offseason. Jarek McKinnon, they signed last offseason, and he tore his ACL, or I believe so. Yep. Yep. And then they had Matt, and then they have Matt Breida. And Matt Breida has been someone who has flirted regularly with fantasy relevance and has been a waiver wire darling for many. However, has regular injury concerns. Jarek McKinnon showed that he could take on a a pretty decent workload in Minnesota, and then Tevin Coleman has shown that he can do a workload in Atlanta. And so I just I don't know how this backfield is going to play out, especially with Tevin Coleman re- reuniting with Sh- uh, Kyle Shanahan like that could be sparks right there that could give him the leg up but you've also they've invested a ton of jarek mckinnon uh in terms of money wise and then matt breeda i don't know what to make of this backfield i've long been a tevin coleman proponent i i think that he is a very talented running back and i would love to see him again in kyle shanahan's system but i also feel like him and jarek mckinnon are similar backs they're both kind of speed pass catchers um matt breeda seems to be the more slightly more traditional between the tackles guy. I don't know what to make of this backfield. I feel like the
3: Niners overpaid for Jarek McKinnon as he came off a contract year. Like He put up good numbers, became a free agent, got paid. Uh, That's kind of what I thought. Even before he got injured, I wasn't really that excited about Jarek McKinnon in San Francisco. But at the same time, I feel like this is just... Throwing a dart at a dartboard with one of the three running backs. Like I feel like any of them could really, like you mentioned, the Tevin Coleman connection. Um, they paid Jarek McKinnon big money. Matt Breda did well last year. Um, I know that there was some big uh, sponsorship of Matt Breda on this uh, podcast to get him more touches and carries. But I, I have no idea either.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is. A situation, I think, where you just, you just choose because there's nothing to, uh, you can point to things with every running back that if you wanted to make the argument about why they're the run, running back one in San Francisco, you know, Tevin Coleman has looked okay. I actually have never really liked Tevin Coleman. I think he looked really stiff, uh, kind of a la Derek Henry, but much smaller, but I, I think he got a little better last year. So I want to give him credit for improving, uh, I feel like Jarek McKinnon is just <laughs> – I said it last year before he got hurt. I just don't think that he's big enough to do it. I just don't think he's a good all-around back. Excellent complimentary piece, but I don't think he's going to be really good in the outside zone, inside zone scheme. And I'm just I, – I just decided that I like Matt Breida because watching him run last year – Played hurt a lot and he he was gutting it through games. Like he had an ankle injury coming into the Seahawks game and he would come in and tear it up and win nine yards and someone would fall on his ankle. He'd go off the field for a couple of plays. They'd stink it up and then he would come in there and try again and run. So I, I just think he showed a lot of grit last year and I think he showed to be the best back that the 49ers had. So my lack of confidence in Tevin Coleman and just going with the guy who's been there the longest with Matt Breida. This is one of those stands you have to make uh, in fantasy. and like, I am just choosing Matt Breida based on things I have seen, and he, he's cheap because yeah. people are overlooking him because he's not the new thing. So I think he's a great value late. Another guy just to take a shot on because you're you're probably not going to need to start him. And I would highly recommend not counting on starting any of these 49ers backs early in the season. So take the cheap guy.
0: Yeah, Tevin Coleman uh, is currently going RB30 uh, beginning of the sixth round. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is RB 41 going in the beginning of the ninth. And then, uh, Matt Brito, RB 50 going in the beginning of the 12th. So in terms of value, Matt Breedo has the best because I agree with you, Clark. Like he has certainly, certainly shown himself to be a capable starting running back. The injuries worry me. Um, and the crowded backfield now worries me. Tevin Coleman, I think I'd like more if he, bell into more of the 40 like if he was if he was where jarek McKinnon is getting taken in the fr- front end of the ninth round that i'm that i can pull the sixth round is a little is is a is rich for me especially he's going above rashad penny uh he's going above royce freeman who personally i really like he's going above jordan howard who i'm, eh, I'm a little lukewarm on but want to see how that plays out so there are certainly other names around tevin coleman who i would have a little more interest in uh than him
1: so this might sound a little bit silly. I've been thinking about this Niners backfield as like who's going to be the lead dog, and and can can Coleman take that role? And I just hadn't even really occurred to me that like they might have just brought Tevin Coleman in to be Tevin Coleman to give him nine to eleven touches uh, per game and kind of cap that as his ceiling. He does have a, a history of, of being injured uh, a lot, as does Matt Breda, but Breda doesn't leave the field because of it. Um, I I think. I mean, we're, we might just start sending like a broken record here, guys, but I think this is another one where you just take the value and that somehow is Matt Brady, because I think we'd probably all rank them maybe, or well, I don't know. I guess it might be a little bit split. I'd probably rank them in the inverse order uh, that they're being drafted right now. Um, although that being said, I do think that uh, Jarek McKinnon will be, I, I think he'll be given the opportunity to be the the, the lead back to start the year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Breda who uh, gets the majority of touches throughout the season.
0: I think Breda has the highest floor. Jared McKinnon has the highest upside. And I think you might be right, Nick,
2: that they might have take, signed Ke- Tevin Coleman just to be Tevin Coleman. Yeah, and for some context, guys in best ball going around Tevin Coleman, uh, Darius Geist, rather have him. Lamar Miller, as much as it pains me to say it, I'd, I'd probably... Take him, like you said, Rashad Penny, Miles Sanders, Latavius Murray. Like, there's are safe guys, and they're swing-for-the-fences guys right in that territory to, to where I, if it sticks like this, for the, I just know I'm going to pass on David
0: yeah.
3: Coleman. Yeah, we don't even 100% have any sort of, uh, I guess, background from last season on what this offense could even be because That's we true. didn't get to see Jimmy Garoppolo behind center. So it's like, it's a... It's a true craft shoot.
2: I, I have been watching some all 22 from the 49ers last year, and I, I never played organized football, but the most beautiful play calling from Shanahan. I, if, if you're a football nerd and you have Game Pass, just watch what Shanahan is doing with that offense. If they could just have people stop blowing their ACL. I the 49ers could be so good on offense with this play calling.
0: Man, good thing good thing you're a lifelong fan, Nick, cuz you're about to ride a, a tidal wave of success it seems like. It's been so long. <laughs> All right, last thing we're going to talk about uh, is back into the NFC it's a it's a backfield that has seen a, a pretty major shakeup, I would say. They traded away their incumbent starter, and they drafted a rookie running back. It's the Chicago Bears, who still have Tariq Cohen. They now added David Montgomery. Um, they lost Jordan Howard by via trade. It still seems like Matt Nagy's trying to figure out what that running game should and will look like. Uh, Nick, what is your what are your feelings on this? Because it seems like Tariq Cohen could also fall into this realm or this role of like, ah, could he be an actual full every down starting running back? Or is that going to be more of David Montgomery's role? Is that why people are getting real hyped about him?
1: So I think that, um, the general consensus is that this is going to be a, a committee that's led by Tariq Cohen. Um, that I, I, I don't agree with that. Um, Cohen is a five foot six, hundred 180 pound, excellent football player. Uh, I just don't think that he can, that he can stay upright getting 20 plus touches per game. Um, I do think that, that Matt Nagy coming from the the Kansas city lineage wants to have an offense uh, that Clark, as you were saying earlier, it's an, a running back centric offense. I think they want the, the running back position to not be tipping their play calling. Uh, and I think that's, you know why they gave up Jordan Howard for a sixth-round pick after rushing for a thousand yards like three seasons in a row? Because um, when he was out there, you knew that it was a run, or at least that he wasn't getting the ball thrown to him. Uh, which brings us to who they replaced him with: David Montgomery. It's a guy who they traded up in the third round to get. When you see a trade up, that's a, a flag. You got to take note of that. He's not an exceptional athlete, but he crossed uh, a lot of athletic thresholds. He, he put up a 1-5-8 10-yard uh, split, which is the only thing I care about for the 40, which is the same as um, uh, Darwin Thompson, who we, we were talking about earlier. I won't go into all the other numbers, but he, he's, he's not going to blow your mind, but he he checks all of the necessary boxes. Reports coming out of camp right now uh, are positive. They're, uh, uh, Nagy's talking about not just his hands, but his route-running ability. Obviously, he's going to be praising the kid, but it is nice to hear these things. I think that David Montgomery at 5'10", a little over 220, is going to be the lead back. I think he's going to get spelled by Cohen frequently, but I think that David Montgomery is going to be uh, maybe an 18 to 20 touch player in this offense, and he's going to get the ball uh, in all, all aspects of the game.
0: He's currently going at the back end of the fourth, 4'10", uh, RB25. Does that sound about right to you, Nick, or is that maybe a little too rich even oh, for, yeah. uh, for the incoming rookie?
1: I think that his proper ADP is round two.
0: Damn. Yeah. So you're just Nick- swapping
1: in with Damian Williams. Oh, God, I would – would, uh, if I could get those two guys, like my running back two and my flex, I would – oh, my God.
2: You made a ton of great points Nick and I think this is this is maybe the first time in the history of the podcast I agree with you completely. Uh,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're break, our, breaking yeah. barriers yeah, in the off season we got to you know hook him somehow. <laughs> Trey Cohen is fantastic at football and he is absolutely too small to do I think this may be his high watermark for his career what he did last year and that's very good. That's an excellent person to have on your team. But again, like you said, Matt Nagy I've talked about how much we love, you know, Andy Reid so much. Those guys are are very similar in their play calling. Uh, you mentioned David Montgomery doesn't have the the most explosive athletic profile, but we're seeing time and time again that uh, you don't really have to. You just have to not. You just have to meet these minimums, right? There's all of these minimums for speed and minimums for weight, and David Montgomery meets all of those. And it, that he's going so late, I I don't know if I would take him in the second. But I'd be real surprised if he doesn't creep up into the third round because positive coaching stories from, you know, camp and OTAs don't necessarily mean, you know, it's hard to take them at face value. But what you're not hearing is, oh, he's overweight or he's got a hamstring or he's he's having a hard time picking up the playbook. So that the stories are positive is just another check mark that makes us feel a little bit more comfortable with it. And I just don't see any way people don't see touchdowns flashing in their head Chicago and and his ADP just (laughs) climbed this offseason.
3: I will say that uh, I like David Montgomery more than most. Um, He's not billed as the most athletic running back, but on that uh, pro football focus list, I was looking at for Darwin Thompson's elusiveness. David Montgomery was first on that list, Um, so he definitely does know how to uh, force some missed tackles in that regard. The thing is, I'm a little bit worried about the Bears offensive line. I think that's one of the uh, weaker units that the Bears have on their team. And just watching Jordan Howard kind of really struggle to grind out yards, even with those thousand yard seasons, he was really just like, I, I felt like they were, when I was, when I would watch them, I felt like they were just running him into the back of the offensive line the entire time. Um, And I didn't see any like substantial upgrades that they've made recently. So that's what I would be worried about. And uh, Tariq Cohen, you're right, when they have him on the field, they're kind of tipping their hand with what they want to do with him. So they have to either A, become more creative, or I don't know, hope David Montgomery is that guy that's a three down back and use Tariq Cohen more as like a slot type of which,
0: player. Well, yeah, which they had. They did for a stretch of time there last year because I wrote an article about it, how if you just treat Tariq Cohen as a wide receiver, like he was a viable <laughs> fantasy wide receiver who ran the ball occasionally. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe try to do a full transition of Tariq Cohen and have him be more of the, you know, speed threat that fits that downfield speed threat that fits into the kind of Andy Reid you know, Matt Nagy offense that we saw, you know, obviously Tyreek Hill was the one who did that for the chiefs. Maybe that's a role we see Tariq Cohen step more into, which if that's true, that completely opens up the backfield and there's no longer really a a committee there. It seemingly is David Montgomery. And if David Montgomery is, you know, at least marginally better than uh, Jordan Howard, Jordan Howard got plenty of touches to the point where he could still have fantasy relevance. And so if David Montgomery is, marginally better than i think that's i think he's 100 the right choice uh out of chicago
2: yeah and he only has to beat out mike davis who is a right. fine serviceable nfl running back and you know when you trade up for a guy you know there's there's probably a propensity to want to break ties in his favor uh, so this is uh, great value yeah <laughs> The thing is about the slot move,
3: too, um, and being like a downfield threat, the Bears do have Taylor Gabriel who That's can true. go down the field and get the ball. And I think that uh, Riley Ridley out of Georgia actually is going to get a lot of a lot of room in the slot to make some plays as like the fourth wide receiver on that team. So uh, uh, did we just like fully tilt into we're worried about Treat Cohen now? <laughs> I think I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we suddenly went from being like, so Tariq Cohen's the lead back here to,
2: uh, are we sure he has a role on this team? I'm worried about anyone who relies on catching the football for production in Chicago. Mm, that's true. Gotta rely on
0: old Mitchell Trubisk to uh, do things, which is not exactly where you want to be.
3: Great hey, fantasy quarterback. Mitch Trubisky is as good as Patrick Mahomes if you go to Illinois, though. <laughs> Why? Why would you go to
0: Illinois? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's the only that thing, thing that that's 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 Chicago. That's <laughs> the only thing Clark took a, took a, uh, offense to.
3: That
1: was good.
0: <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, so there you go. So those are some some backfields that have traditionally and seemingly will give us a lot of uh, a lot of confusion heading into 2019. Maybe we helped. Maybe we didn't. Uh, There were certainly some of them where we just said, hey, go with your gut, which is always great fantasy advice. That's what we're here for. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Clark, for pointing that out last week that uh, it's no longer on iTunes. It's on Apple Podcasts Uh, and on Stitcher and on, I believe, we're on Spotify, anywhere you can get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Peter M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith27. Nick unders wait, at Ginger underscore, underscore Nick without a K. We'll be back at you next week with maybe some more fantasy mysteries or maybe some crazy news we'll have broken and uh, we can talk about that. But I doubt it. not. Until then. <laughs> Peace.